0: Welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. We want to help health visitors stay up to date, so we're here to give evidence-based information and insight into relevant practice issues. We're currently supported by the CPHVA Education Development Trust, McQueen Bursary. Hello, it's Jenny here. And Amy, hi. Hello. Um, I know we're still getting used to having a little intro. I was just about we, to say Amy? that
1: new shorter <laughs> intro throws me off every time. <laughs> I am not used to it. Oh dear,
0: we'll get there. We will get, we'll get there. We'll and then and then we'll need to update the intro and things. And it will we'll throw and us all, all off again. Is,
1: it's because we're yeah. so, such professional people, you know, Jen.
0: And this is what you get with oh, this completely. podcast professionalism yeah so smooth so so smooth <laughs> uh, <laughs> so today we're tying in and um, we're doing a little like mini series aren't we around heads heads um Lumpy, bumpy, so we've funny got,
1: shaped heads yes yeah,
0: we've got the episode that's just come out um with harry's hat yes um which is hydrocephalus um charitable oh, man, organization stressed, yeah and um so we thought we should really look a bit at head circumferences and just update a bit on those as well. Yeah. Um. So, Amy, you've done your, your, your deep My dive. standard dive,
1: yeah. Um, oh, amazing. And it is, I tell you what, you can get into the weeds on this one, I'll tell you, Jen, it is not easy. And I, just, I sort of think this with every single time I research anything, it's always more complicated than you think it's going to be. But anyway... Yeah. I think we think of head circumference as something that we're all confident with. You know, I think the frequency of doing it, the fact that you're doing a head circumference daily, like we're all doing head circumferences all the time. Yeah. You do them at a new birth, you do them at six-week chair, you just do them quite frequently. So yeah. I think it's easy to think, oh, yeah, 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 I know how to do that, and I know about that. Like, But actually, when you start reading, you think, hmm, do I, though? Do I? <laughs> oh, blimey. So there's definitely stuff here,
0: Um yeah, for everyone, I think. well, I know it's that thing of kind of looking out for it, and because it's that weird thing, is not it with heads where they generally do seem to run a little bit on a higher centile than weight and height, don't they? It sort of feels like at times it's. I don't know. Or is that not the case? I don't don't know, I don't know. And we don't have the data on um,
1: how... There is very, very, very scant data on how the different measurements correlate with each other and how they relate. Um, So we have very poor information on that. I don't think we really have enough to make any big um,
0: statements um, about it either way. I think generally in my own practice... I would often find the head circumference would be typically on a slightly higher center. So, even if weight and height seemed fairly well aligned, the head the circumference, circumference would be a bit all over the shop. That little bit higher. And it felt, it did always feel like that bit of a thing where, well, how do these correlate together? Because it yeah. always seemed to be that a bit more random than the the very clear correlation between and I think we don't and, know
1: white. we don't know that they do correlate no. really um, we don't have good evidence that they do correlate massively although that is intuitively makes sense you wouldn't expect to see a baby on a really low centile for their weight with a massive head or the other way around but it yeah. does happen you know so yeah I think um, what I want to kind of focus on with this episode is I want to talk a little bit about why why are we doing a head circumference. Um, yeah. for, so what are we looking for, and why do we care about what head measurement their head is? When do we do it, um, and how do we do it? Um, Brilliant. They're the things I'm going to try and cover because I think they're okay. the main
0: issues. So. Why it's my, my job this time to try and stop you from getting too weedy? Yes, it is. Yes, please stop <laughs> so me getting weedy. My job. I will keep. I have got a little rope tied around your middle. Thanks. And I'm going You'll to stop drag you from climbing back. into the weeds. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that.
1: <laughs> so why do we? Why do we do head circumference? Then basically we're looking for either hydrocephalus or microcephaly. So either direction, either a big head or a small head, um, and yeah. that can be huge number of causes for. Um, either of those things um, with a variety of different levels of impact in terms of impact on the child. But I think it's safe to say that this has the potential to be life-changing, life-altering, yeah, um, life-shortening um, if we get yeah. it wrong. So it is something yeah. that is actually very, very, very important. And the causes, yeah. um, sorry, the, um, the whys, if you like, the reasons why... Um, we're measuring head circumference, are important. So it is something in your assessment to make sure that you're confident in doing accurately and you're taking that pause, you're taking that moment to actually be mindful about what you're doing and think about it carefully because yes. it's not something that is... um, it's, it's something that a slight inaccuracy can make a big difference to that child's life. So it is quite yeah. important to get it right.
0: Yeah. And also, between, especially in those... I mean, even in the early week, mm. the growth of the head is amazing. I know parents mm. are always so surprised come new birth visit when it's sort of, you know, around about 14 days old, we measure the head circumference. Mm. And it's like, you know, Different from from the initial one. one, one and a half centimetres bigger than the head circumference was when they had their nippy done. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you can see how it's it's these early months, you know, weeks and months that, have this massive growth and that you know if problems are there they're going to be likely arising at that point aren't they and and that's where the growth charts
1: are our friends here really um, and I w- I'll get on to that when I talk about the how um because that gives us the guide of what is normal in terms of um growth um and those yeah. those centiles really are the the things to be using Um, but in terms of why we're measuring we're looking for hydrocephalus hydrocephalus or microcephaly, as you've said we've already got an episode on um, hydrocephalus I'm not going to go deep into either of those things um, but just enough to know that obviously that would be a referral, that would be a concern that we would be signposting on to specialist service Um, and the NICE guidance on when to refer, there's some NICE guidance just produced in 2019 um, and That guidance is, you refer to paediatrics if the head circumference is below the second centile, you would always refer to paediatrics.
0: Right, yeah.
1: If the head circumference is crossing two centiles, you would refer to paediatrics. If the head circumference is crossing two centiles and they're having symptoms of hydrocephalus, you would refer for urgent review. So just a reminder, well, yeah. the symptoms of hydrocephalus being a bulging um, fontanelle, a very big forehead, um, sunken eye gaze, irritability, lots of crying, um, that kind of neuro cry um, that yeah. we talked about um any other symptoms of hydrocephalus you can think of at the top of your head? Vomiting. Oh, vomiting.
0: Yeah, good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. So yeah. Out of interest, well, does it specify how long a time frame for the crossing two centile lines? Interesting, Jen. No, no, it does not specify oh. that. It also doesn't specify
1: what to do if it crosses one centile line. Okay. Um. So what? It. So this is. So this is what it does say. If the child is on the ninety eighth centile and there's no increase in centiles, and there's no symptoms uh-huh. or developmental concerns, you should first review for familial macrocephaly. So that basically means you should first take a peek at mum and dad's heads. <laughs> and see, it's just one of them have a giant head. And if they do... Yeah then don't refer, please. Please don't send us, like, children with massive heads who just have parents with massive heads and there's no increase in their head size and there's no symptoms and there's no developmental concerns.
0: Then don't refer. Unless there are other problems that you're aware of. I'm nearly 44 and my mum still goes on about the size of my head.
1: (laughs) Oh dear,
0: poor Jen. Um, oh
1: dear. Well, you should tell her that familial macrocephaly is the most likely cause. So, you know,
0: Yeah. perhaps. I, de- I think I definitely got my dad's head because <laughs> my mum, I, I can put a hat on and it'll be tight and my mum will put it on and it will literally be held up by her earlobes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her. And that was from when I was a teenager. <laughs> so you've got one extreme and the other with your genetics. Um,
1: so yeah so it's saying if they're on the 98th centile then just be mindful and be watchful look for other symptoms um in your in your assessment um and look for other causes if you find a cause in terms of the familial macrocephaly so you see a very obvious familial trait um, then you don't need to refer that but if you don't see a obvious cause or, if there are other symptoms or developmental concerns, then you should be referring that to pediatrics. yeah you should be referring we, we if have... they're below the second, and you should be referring if they're crossing two and obviously a mm. and e if they're if you see symptoms of hydrocephalus and they're crossing yeah. two lines, then that's a major like blue lights a and e job
0: yeah, we did have a case when I was a student health visitor of a baby who. We were encouraging to come in, kind of almost like fortnightly for head circumference mm. measurements because his head was big. But it was, it wasn't crossing centiles. It was like kind of sitting pretty much where it was. Yeah. But we was just so worried because head was so big. And then one week, dad brought him in, and um, <laughs> we we didn't worry again. Yeah. <laughs> so there you
1: go. Um, so yeah. So I think the difficulty here is that actually there is a level of comedy with familial macrocephaly And we can go, well, actually, you know, dad's got a big head or whatever. And that is really funny. Um, but it also, the fact that that's got that comedy almost detracts from the importance of oh, if God, it isn't, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It makes you feel exactly. like it's somehow less um, urgent or less... Because there's mm. that comedy and everyone's got that story of, like, meeting the, the yeah. dad and then realising no. why. But actually if you don't find a reason for why this child has a big head, then that is enough for a referral on its own. Yeah. Um, and th- that is really worth investigation. And you, this is like we say, this isn't what, something you want to miss. So if in doubt, then no. refer, really. I'd rather yeah. refer and then have the paediatrician call me going, are you having a laugh? Did you see, Dad? Like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then miss it. Um, because yeah. actually, if you don't catch it at that stage, and the child then isn't seen, um, then we could have bigger issues. Which brings me then on to when. To measure, yes, doesn't it? It What does do you indeed. What do you do in your um, trust or where you've been before? Interesting. So
0: I think we would have head measurement head measured at birth mm. by the midwives, um, You mean obviously by the midwife, so mm-hmm. Nippy. Um, Measure at the new birth visit, mm. and then I think there was some query over whether it was done at six to eight weeks. I can't remember off the top of my head properly, but I think there was something about a um I know weight was suddenly something which was there was a query over whether we should weigh all babies at the sixth to eight week review, which we found very odd mm. and I want to say there was a bit of a query about. Six weeks, no, six weeks. Actually, no, you know, you no, know, six to eight weeks. Head circumference was done. It was the nine to twelve month developmental yeah. review. That's where there was then the query. Yes, I'm misremembering. No,
1: good point. I mean, I, you're right because there is a huge amount of variation on this, like on trusts up and down the country. They do different things. Yeah. Um, I think um to be clear both the new got NICE guidance on postnatal care and the RCPCH who write the growth charts and the um, growth monitoring guidance both of them agree they say that it should be measured at birth at six to eight weeks and then only if there is a concern right but there are different variations on this and I know that some trusts do it at the one year review as well um, and I know that there's lots of um, advocate advocate, lots of people advocate for more frequent measurements. So, I know, for example, if anyone's listened to the Harry's Hat um, episode, the charity Harry's Hat and parents of children with hydrocephalus are advocates of more frequent head circumference measurement than that. Um, yes. Yeah. And there is an argument for a more frequent health head circumference screening. However, we don't currently have a national policy or guidance that suggests that we should be doing it more frequently than that. No. Um, so at birth, at six to eight weeks, and then if there's a concern is the current guidance. What it doesn't say, um, which is a bit unhelpful, is who should be completing those measurements. So the birth measurement, for example, we would assume would be the midwives. Obviously, we're not there at birth. So if it means at birth, then that would be midwifery service to complete that head circumference yeah. measurement. I think there is also some debate on the accuracy of a birth head measurement if it's done certainly in the first few hours after the baby's born. Um oh, okay. Because oh, yes,
0: no, I can imagine that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, obviously.
1: Molding. Yes, exactly. Like the their head shape can be a bit funny and anyone who's had um seen a Von delivery will know that that you can have swelling in all sorts of bizarre places um
0: yeah. sometimes.
1: So and, and even just from a vaginal delivery with no intervention, sometimes the head can take a bit of time to pop yeah. back out almost <laughs> into its proper shape. And actually shape. then
0: as well, sometimes you can get the, um, oh, the cephalic hematomas. Yes, the, you can. The bruise and swelling. Which and that make can that really measurement impact. more challenging. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, so, yeah, so they say um, 24 hours after birth, I think, to allow for that kind of head to settle. So you can imagine, and if there was a normal vaginal delivery, and oh, I hate the word normal delivery, but if there was a delivery without any intervention or complication um, yeah. and the baby was sent home within the first 24 hours, there could be a potential case for midwifery not doing that head circumference measurement, mm. I suppose, you know, you could argue yeah. that. Um, it, certainly it could be missed, I think a lot of people do it with the nappy when the nappy's done. So that yeah. might be a few hours after birth or it might be the day after or it might be a couple of days later or it might be six hours or eight hours or whatever. Um, yeah. I think I always used to just check in the Red Book when I did my new birth visit. Um, there's also an argument for doing it yourself at the new birth, even if it has been done by the midwives. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Th- and and then again, if we're debating on, and I'll come back to why, but if we're debating on who's doing it, there's also debate around the GP doing it at the six to eight week check. So I worked in a trust, for example, where there was this big thing going on around um, GPs are commissioned to do the measurements oh, yes. at the six to eight week check. So yeah. therefore health visitors should not be doing um, length and head circumference measurements in particular because the GPs are paid to do that essentially. Yeah. Um, which I always thought was a little bit unhelpful. I mean, you know, we're all professionals. Can we not work together? And also, um, if we're doing one measurement, I I don't know. It also yeah. often the GP's check is after yours, so mm-hmm. you might go yes, in at exactly six what weeks, I was going to say. Not do the head circumference measurement. You're then assuming that the GP will do it. Yeah. Um, and I feel marginally uncomfortable with you know just leaving it I need to be a hundred percent certain that GP's going to do it because otherwise nobody's we've not we've only we've only got one measurement for the head circumference potentially um yeah and then because
0: often well I mean I then so my issues are that I've sometimes had GP measurements be inaccurate I know we're going to come on to mm. what we use to measure the head circumference with but then using a a regular tape measure rather than anything that is kind of more um, designed for doing head circumferences. Yeah. With. Um, also, we have it where we often have, if there was any query with the um, head measurement at the 6 week review, they will then tell parents, oh, and um, get that checked with your health visitor in a couple of weeks, but they're not actually communicating that to us. So you right. might have a parent coming into clinic who, depending on how confident they are or maybe even not coming into clinic then sort of it's down to them to then get that measurement done when they might not even fully understand what the concerns were around it and actually be able to be in a position to feel confident to say we need the head measured because it's that thing if that's the first if you're a mid if your health is in clinic and that's the first you've heard of this family need to come back to have head measurement done you might, might not be able to access their records or anything, the yeah. GP won't have probably written anything in the red book specifying mm, it, mm. and so you're then like, oh, um, right. Well, why okay. am I doing this? Because you yeah. also need to know why
1: you're doing it in order to then guide your decision making on
0: the clinical steps that you're going to take next as well exactly exactly because I mean there is just an argument for not over medicalizing these checks and if you fall into a trap where you feel like you've got to do head circumference on every child every contact yes it's then very much almost like medicalizing rather than the individualized care that we we aim for
1: yes absolutely i think it's really challenging um what i would say about the who does it um and the when when it's done possibly that's impact is the most important thing with any head circumference measurement is continuity in yeah. who completes it. So I would say the standard for most, if I was to pick an average general what is done, most places, the midwives do it at birth. The health visitor may or may not do it at the 10 to 14 days, six. At uh, the 10 to 14 days new birth visit. The health visitor may or may not do it at the six to eight week check and then the GP would normally do it at their check right yeah. in which case you're getting at least three if not four different professionals doing that head circumference measure so if yeah. you happen to fall within a trust where the same health visitor does the new bath and the six to eight week check which I think a lot uh-huh. of us probably do aim for that as the norm that's what your target is yes. You're yeah. aiming to see that same family at least twice, the the new birth visit and the six to eight week check. If that is the case, then we have an opportunity here, which other professionals and our colleagues in different um, different health professions perhaps don't have, which is that we have the opportunity of continuity there. Yeah. So our policy could be to do it at the new birth visit and the six to eight week check, by the same health visitor, and that would give us the best chance of getting at least two good measurements. You've at least got a, an opportunity to have an accurate feel for the trajectory of that head growth. Where is it headed? Yeah. Um, and I... Th- <laughs> where is it headed? <laughs> see where I did that. Oh. <laughs> it's normally
0: you with the puns. <laughs>
1: yeah, there we go. Um, I've taught you well. <laughs> <laughs> Learn everything I know from you, Jan. Um, so... So I think really it's a missed opportunity if the health visitor doesn't do it themselves at the new birth and the six to eight week because you've got a chance for it to be the same person and that's really, really important. Yeah. And it also, if you know that it was you that did it at the new birth, you know that you did it using the right tape measure and in the right circumstances. And you know that you... Because you're now about to listen to me saying how. And if you didn't already know, <laughs> you're going to know then exactly how to do it. And you're going to be confident yes. in that measurement. You know that it was done, you know, not within 24 hours of birth. And you know that it was done with the right thing. So you can say, I know that's a good measurement... I know this is a good measurement. Therefore, I can be confident about my clinical decision-making on the basis of these measurements. Yeah. You know you've got continuity in that person who's measuring it.
0: Yeah.
1: Excellent. So that's the who. The one one thing I would say perhaps about the who is, again, this is from the Harry's Hat episode, but um, if you remember, Jen, they were advocating for parents who have a known diagnosis of hydrocephalus to be trained in measuring head circumference themselves. Yes. Yeah, from the point of
0: view of that being so consistent, wasn't it?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I suppose they have plenty of opportunity to do it when the child's calm and, you know, yeah, as well. Completely. They know the child best, completely. so they'd be able to target that in the and, best
0: way. Uh, yeah, and also they have opportunity to to do it frequently enough to be very consistent and see even i suppose especially when they've got a known diagnosis yeah it's even checking out for those very minor fluctuations yeah to to be aware of and be able to take action and i suppose it's a bit like um with diabetic family you know if, if you're diabetic taking your blood sugar regularly so you've got that to review on i'm guessing there's an element of them being able to feed that back to the team directly and have that ongoing dialogue with them around what, what the path of treatment is.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's a really good point. So, yeah, so I think um, really it's, it's continuity with the who's measuring it. And there is variation with the when, but the actual minimum requirement is not a lot,
0: to be honest. It really yeah. isn't a lot. Um, it's, if... it's quite surprising how vague... It is actually given it's yeah. an, you always expect nice guidelines to be a bit more. Very prescriptive. And I know we found yeah. this. We found this with nice guidelines recently as well, haven't we? On when we looked at the faltering growth and mm. things. It's, well, I think. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's interesting how they have got that flexibility. You can completely see how we end up across different trusts doing different having things. different things yeah. because it's they're they're too vague.
1: Interpretation of it really is is the difficulty. Um yeah. so I want to talk a bit about how to measure um and then perhaps we'll touch on that court case that we mentioned um because yes. there's something in there yeah. around um around um what to do basically with your measurements, especially if there's one centile increase, um for example. Um but the how. So I don't know, did you ever get any formal training on how to measure a head circumference, Jan? Um we did
0: the RC... We did oh, a God. session
1: in uni, didn't we, on the RC-PCH yeah. um, guidance. yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which was... We and didn't no, have any actual was, babies uh... in front
0: of us then, when we were doing that. No, but I think it was that practical skill that was almost like passed down clinically, From not it? Yeah, I think
1: it's generally practice to, teachers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... I don't know if there's an excellent evidence base on that, the how exactly. Um, and, and certainly, I don't think there's a good widespread training system for this. Um, and it, it can be really, really difficult to do this accurately. Like, personally, I know from my own practice, if the baby's got tons of really beautiful curly hair, for example, that can yeah. present a challenge. Or if they're particularly squirmy or uncomfortable during the visit you know if they're particularly unsettled or there's something else going on perhaps or you're in a busy clinic environment and there's lots of noise yeah. and you know distractions to the baby and it's difficult to get them still that can be really really hard um yeah so i suppose trying to grab your moment is a good thing and i know harry's hat say not to measure in a clinic environment which is um interesting because i think a lot of our head circumferences
0: are done in clinics Oh well, yeah because um, I mean, when else after six weeks or so when else do we see i know families? i know
1: um so yes yeah, so i suppose if if baby's asleep at any point or calm at any point then grab your moment and sometimes if the p- mum is comfortable for you to do this then sometimes while they're feeding for some babies can work really well because not much can distract them from that at that age sometimes you know that can be quite a calm moment but that would be very much if mum was comfortable because you're going to be getting pretty close to her then if you're doing that but um, um,
0: interestingly there are two videos on YouTube about how to measure an infant head. Yes. So the first I mean, there's more, but the top two results are one from the Centre of Disease Control and Prevention, so that's the American C D C. Yeah. And one from the Global Health Network. I wonder if it might be worth us watching those and just see i think the cdc one might be out because it looks like they're using a lasso to measure the head circumference with. yeah well that's no good the second one looks like they're using a tape yeah so,
1: so um what i would say with i'll look at those and if there's if there's one that i can find that seems to fit with yes. and is from a reputable source then i'll link it yeah um but essentially the main thing is that you're consistent with the person doing it because we know that it's really difficult to do and everybody does it very slightly differently. So therefore, if you're consistent with the person doing it, if you're doing it wrong, at least you're doing it wrong the same way every time. Because really what you're looking for with the head circumference is change. So if you're actually not massively accurate, so if you're measuring from the wrong place, for example, that matters less as long as you measure from the same wrong place every time that's yeah. okay. Um, the, essentially you're looking for the widest part of the head. So on most children that will be that occipital bone at, right at the back yeah. of your skull. You have that little dip on the back of your skull yeah. by the occipital cortex and that's um, probably going to be your widest part across the middle of the forehead and then down to that occipital bone. Um, but look at the child and you're, you're measuring the widest part of that child's head
0: yeah that's what you're trying trying to to think how i would do it and it is that thing of almost like just sitting on the eyebrows at the front Mm. and then making sure you go around that widest part of the head at the back as long as you've got a system and you're consistent if your system is to line up with the eyebrows
1: and then go to the occipital bone or just above the eyebrows as long as you've got a system and you're doing it that way um yeah aim for the widest part of the head um, but be consistent with the way you're measuring it yeah. is the main thing. Um, and you're supposed to be using a single-use paper tape measure. So the Yeah, r-
0: no, this is what I found really I know, interesting. me too. Oh, yeah. I was the so the surprised. Guys. Yeah. I mean, I've spent a fortune before buying my own lasso, yeah, packs of lassoes to know. use. Well,
1: and, and also I find, like, when they said that, I was really surprised because I have found in practice those lassoes much easier to use than the paper ones. Um, yes. So I was surprised that you can get a more accurate reading with a paper one. But when they actually explained why, it made perfect sense, of course, um, which is that it, you can stretch a plastic um, tape measure. So yeah. there'd be two opportunities to stretch it, I guess. One would be in the moment when you're actually measuring the baby, you could pull it too tight you know and if you did that with a paper one it would just rip yeah so you don't you can't do that with a paper one but you can do it with a plastic one and the other thing would be if you're rolling it up and um you know putting it into something every time and then you're um using it on multiple babies heads yes um i suppose over time that could stretch fractionally and and a fractional change is enough, as we know, with these charts. They are very sensitive. So a fractional change is enough to make a big difference to your clinical decision-making. Yeah. Um. So a single-use paper tape measure Um.
0: that isn't going to stretch or change, Is, is that is the yeah. size. Because I know sometimes I would, there would be families who would have their own lasso because they were yeah. then it then meant that they were the only ones who use that. So I suppose there would be possibly less opportunity of it stretching and things. I think but
1: nowadays, I um, think...
0: most families who have their own, it will be a paper one
1: because um, yeah. that will be the one that the... If, it, if they have their own because... That's not because that's a trust policy, but because it's been given to them by a specialist unit, for example, then yes. it would be yeah. a single-use paper one, like we've described, because they're the ones that yeah. they now recommend. Um I think um, the other thing that I found really helpful about the nice quality statement is it says to do three measurements.
0: Yes, yeah, and plot which the i also even measure. Yeah, which that is something which I, I did know of already yeah. and I would always do. Yeah. It's that thing of just even that fractional change and then, yeah, taking the longest. It's yeah. funny because when I read it, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. But then I thought, actually,
1: I kind of do that already without really intending to because you if you think about it when you're doing a head circumference and you've got particularly if you've got a squirmy baby or a head circumference a bit more tricky to take you do do multiple versions of it don't you you measure it and you look at it and then you kind of go oh hang on i'm just going to do that again oh hang on i'm just going to do that again and you do get multiple
0: ones well i think you'd hope so and i think we would both do that because we're always just that that bit conscientious but i think there would be some who might see a very squirmy baby and be like, Right, yep, got that tip, that box. <laughs> um, yeah. so, so, don't do that. It is that thing. We, always, we always hope that's what everyone would do, but don't we can't that. ever really assume that's is. Don't what go, Oh, squirmy
1: baby, okay, I'll just do this extra quickly then. That's the time to do it more carefully. Yeah. Um, so, taking three measurements and plot the longest, not the middle one, the longest of these on a standardized growth chart. So, the normal growth charts in the back of the Red Book that we always use. Um, A note, I think, have I said everything about how? So I think that's everything on how, really. There isn't a huge amount, as I say, on there, out there in terms of training or guidance. But I guess it's not that complicated a thing to do, as long as you're doing
0: it consistently.
1: Yeah. And you're trying to be as accurate yeah. as you can. Try and pick a moment when the baby's calm that you know you can you yeah. can be accurate. And I
0: think it's that thing of don't be afraid to raise a red flag. Yeah. If you have a worry, yeah. then do refer them. And maybe not even just say to parents, you need to make an appointment. Contact the GP surgery yourself and join up that circle. Yeah. Um, so that it there will... is that extra thing. Because parents, you know, sometimes parents are going to hear news like this and they will yeah for all of it i mean can we honestly say for ourselves that when we've been told you need to contact this person or that person i know i know that i definitely sometimes i'm a bit paralyzed by fear and a bit like and it will take me longer particularly for my own you know anything doing myself yeah um and so i think it is that thing of supporting the parents to do that by ensuring that everyone's on the same page and aware of and I think whilst it would be great to involve the GP in
1: terms of going forwards and obviously if there was a diagnosis or anything then the GP would need to be aware of that um, it would mostly yeah. be paediatrics that you're referring to so in your trust whatever the referral route is to paediatrics you'd be referring to peds Because you're either referring to PEDs if they're below the second or if they're crossing two centiles. Or obviously, if they're very, very big and you've got symptoms or whatever, then they would be referring to PEDs. Or if they've got...
0: Crossing two centiles and they're having symptoms. I mean, in the last area I worked in, though, there was a thing where even to do a PEDs outpatient's referral, you still had to to consult the GP. Oh, blimey. And confirm with gp so what well, we would often sometimes do would be to um kind of i'd, I'd fill in the referral form i'd wait i'd, con- I'd email the gp to say i'm saying yeah you know, I, I i need to do a referral regarding mm. you know it'd be the classic thing after developmental reviews something had come up and you'd need to be referring them on mm. and it would always be that thing of right, i'll give them two days <laughs> and then i will copying them in on the email I send to the um, the outpatients department with the referral form saying that I have contacted the GP and, you yeah, know, they're copied in on this. So, yeah, you can, you know, take is it, this, consider as this as, co- as the implied referral. consent. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it's um, it's it's challenging when you're in that kind of a situation because if you're the clinician that has made that assessment and you've decided that according to the NICE guidance, this child needs a peds review that should be enough. If we're saying Mm -hmm. health visitors have the skills to measure a head circumference, then we should be also saying that they have the skills to refer if there's a concern with that head circumference. Because if you're saying that they don't have the skills to refer, then what you're saying is you don't have the skills to measure because with any nursing or any medical procedure you should only complete it if you know what to do with the results so yeah i, I would definitely. that i find that really difficult but anyway i suppose that's a discussion yeah so anyway whatever the process is i guess for referring into peds. but um but yeah i think refer if in doubt with this issue be yeah. oh I, i'd be
0: better to be over cautious yeah I know you wanted to bring up a court case that has been yeah out in the um in the press recently.
1: It has. Well, it's been doing the rounds for sure. I mean, it's quite a scary read, I think, for health visitors particularly. And I've seen it on the health yeah. visitor forums and things. Um. So this is dated twenty twenty November twenty twenty. So it's a very recent one. The court case is recent. Yeah. Um, and this is about a baby who really sadly had s- catastrophic permanent brain injury um as a result of a rare and benign brain tumor um Blimey. and then the tumor causing overproduction of csf um which as we know right. then causes hydrocephalus hydrocephalus yeah. yeah and so he had raised icp um intracranial pressure sorry and that then yeah. caused symptoms um the csf was drained and the tumor was successfully removed but it was too late to prevent injury and he had huge brain damage as a result um so really this catastrophic event for this family um yeah a really really sad story um i think the key parts for health visitors here and what people are interested in probably listening to this is what the health visitor did because they were found to be negligent. Yeah. The health visitor was found to be negligent in this um in this case, um, yeah. and she saw the um baby at the new birth visit at thirteen days and did the head circumference at that um visit and it was on the twenty fifth right. centile. Um, okay. They she then saw the health visitor again. She was seen by a nursery nurse in the interim who didn't do the head circumference, which I think is standard. Then. He was six weeks old and was again seen by the same health visitor. Um, and that same health visitor, again, did the head circumference. Um, and that head circumference at that time was on or just over the 50th centile.
0: Oh, blimey. And
1: that was at six weeks old. So, well, it's a one centile increase. So he, the baby's yeah. head circumference had from birth to the six-week check increased by one centile
0: just over just
1: over one centile yeah um i would note that his weight had also increased right
0: um
1: i think his weight was on a a steady increase of centile or it increased slightly on the centiles but not as much as his head um so yeah so that's what happened there? Um, he yeah. the the child then missed their GP appointment, the six to eight week GP appointment. Yeah, um, and a nursery nursery nurse again saw the child at home, and didn't measure the weight, the head the head circumference. Um, there was a four month health visitor check again by a health visitor, different health visitor. Um, head circumference wasn't right. measured at that stage. Um nursery nurse again saw him at home um and didn't do the head circumference. Um, saw the GP a couple of times, and the GP hasn't done the head circumference at that
0: stage. And then they went to an emergency walk-in been... centre.
1: Yeah,
0: I was going to say, because there were other health concerns, weren't there, from having looked at the case well, so it wasn't even like the parents were going... Concerned about the head circumference. No, 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 no. The no, they weren't being seen for the head circumference. Yeah. It, the
1: child was a well-child, generally.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: But it was, yeah, unrelated to the head circumference Um, that he was being seen. um, And by the time he was then seen on the 30th of December 2012, he went to an emergency walk-in centre. So he was born in the 27th of June 2012. Right. And he was then seen in December in the um, emergency centre. And his head circumference was 51 centimetres with a massive hydrocephalus. Um, ninety-nine point six centile on the 30th of December
0: 2012. Wow. So... 51 centimetres. I think my 10-year-old isn't much bigger than that Yeah, 10 years
1: old. So it is a very big head. It is a very big head. Um, 99.6 centile, that would have visually looked like a big head as well, which I
0: think is is important. Um,
1: But basically, the only head circumference measurements that were done by the Health Visiting Service were done um, at the new birth and at the six to eight week check, and they were done by the same person. So in terms of the Health Visiting Service there, that is exactly what the NICE guidance says to do. And, you know, you could argue that the NICE guidance doesn't say what to do with a one centile increase. It says if it crosses two centile increases... Um, that you would refer it. So there isn't an obvious point here for me, for that health visitor to have have done something glaringly wrong. Um, I do appreciate... So in the summary, the findings were um, that the health visitor was in breach of duty of care when she failed to arrange for the claimant's head circumference to be remeasured and or failed to refer him for a medical opinion. So the judge found that... um, the health visitor had failed there after that one centile increase to refer the child for a repeat measurement um or for a medical right. opinion somewhere um yeah at the six-week check and i think what's maybe worth saying there is um whilst i absolutely sympathize with this poor health visitor like oh my god literally is living through hell right now um yeah obviously as is the family um it's, a, it's an awful scenario that no one wants to find themselves in, isn't it? On all sides. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And whilst to totally accept that that health visitor didn't do anything wrong according to her policy and according to the NICE guidance, mm-hmm. you know, I think what perhaps, if there's anything to be learned here, what we perhaps could learn is about the trajectory of growth. So the, the centile, yeah. it had increased by one and a bit centiles across the course of four weeks so he was seen at 13 days and then at six weeks old exactly six weeks old so it was almost exactly four week gap Um, and it increased by one and a half or one and a bit centiles now if you were to follow that trajectory you could see that actually that is quite a steep trajectory of growth yeah yeah. And if you've not got any that's... future time points to check, what it could well be is a slightly skew-wiffy measurement or a funny increase that will then fluctuate and go back down again perfectly normal. Yeah. That could well be what happens. But without a future yeah. line to check that... It's quite nice. difficult to say for sure. I mean, in fairness to the health visitor, she's not in the business of predicting the future, and I totally accept no. that. You can only yeah. go on the information you've got there and then, but perhaps yeah. we could learn to look
0: at the trajectory of the growth, to look at the yes. steepness yeah. of that climb. Yeah. I mean, it's that thing, I think, it. it's like the future Future note would be that, you know, if you find that there is you know, this much of a jump, then... Make sure you say to the parents, oh, you know, another two weeks, four mm, weeks, mm. come into clinic and let's check it. And always, you know, even if you're not actually going to be, I mean, ideally, if you're in clinic yourself, get them to come along to clinic that you're going to be at. But otherwise, you yeah, know, make a note in your diary to... Mm. Remind yourself, oh yeah, this this client should have come in at this point, and Mm. double check was there a measurement taken? Mm. What you know, and and make that connection as to you know what the what the um what the measurement was and things. Because I know it's difficult. Because I know you know it depends on team structure as to whether you're actually even doing a regular clinic or not.
1: Mm, mm. And it and it depends on the layouts and settings of that clinic. So I know in places I've worked in the past, I have my own. Um, I have a room that is booked for sort of half a day a week that I do my development reviews and my clinic things in that I call people I've got yeah. a space to call people into yeah and I've always found that very helpful and mm. perhaps this would be a case that you might want to consider using a, a short slot in that because even a 15-20 minute slot just quickly measure the head circumference um yeah at that stage would have been really helpful for this but I, I, again it's all hindsight and in that moment mm. i can't honestly say with my hands up that i would do anything different from what she did no um and certainly not before researching for this episode i wouldn't have so yeah. you know the second point so they found three findings that um in favor of the claimant so that the ne- neglig- three negligence findings the second one was that um the second health visitor who saw the baby after the six to eight week check had been missed was in breach of duty of care by not recommending to the parents that he take the six to eight week check even though it was late so that pet that health visitor saw the baby it had missed the six week check but instead of saying go to the gp and get that check even though it's late they didn't they didn't do that so they didn't Signpost the parents to the GP, which again is such a small, easily done thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. blimey. And the third thing, um, was that that health visitor that saw the baby um then late, was in breach of duty of care by not appreciating that there was a disproportion in the child's head size, which should have led to her having his head remeasurement or checked. Yeah. So visually, didn't notice that that child had a big head, which by this time it would have been big if you know the trajectory was if we assume that that trajectory was what was followed um you know if we assume a straight line between the measurements that we do have then it would have been a very big head at that stage um but again i
0: easily missed no yeah (sighs) so scary read really
1: so yeah, so that's that court case, and I, I don't really want to kind of dig it over more than that. Um, I think it's it's a cautionary tale for sure, and it's a scary read. Um, I, and then there are perhaps a few learning points in terms of looking at trajectories, and if you've got a child crossing one centile space to yeah. make sure that you're able to kind of rule that out or in at a future date, I think yeah, is helpful. Definitely. And perhaps it'll be something that alters the guidance in the future, I don't know. Um, yeah. The last thing I wanted to cover on this head circumference episode is just plagiocephaly. Now, I'm not going to go into this in great detail because it probably needs an episode on its own, but it's worth mentioning alongside head circumference. Um, yeah. Plagiocephaly is obviously um, where there's a misshaping of the head, and it's generally, most commonly we see it, a flattened back of the head, isn't it? Yeah. Um it's, they call it positional plagiocephaly, and that's the most common cause of plagiocephaly in infants under one year old. Um, and it's often from having been laid down a lot on their back. Yeah.
0: Um, so we know yeah. obviously Which...
1: babies are supposed to be on their backs of... to sleep.
0: Yeah. And that's because I think they spend they probably spend a lot of time on their backs in those early few months. Yeah,
1: sure. And it kind of probably depends on your parenting style as well, doesn't it? Because if you're a parent that has baby in a sling a lot or, you know, carries baby a lot or has lots of family support around you where you're able to be holding your baby a lot, then you're probably less likely to end up with a plagiocephaly, whereas if baby's being put down in a Moses basket a lot, then you'll see it more commonly. But um you know, as we know, it's not a, a serious thing. It's something that will resolve on its own in time, and it's generally just an aesthetic mm. issue. Um, it doesn't cause any developmental problems. So, as long as it's um, a positional plagiocephaly alongside that, then there's no need to worry about it, really. Um, okay. They do, the NICE guidance actually, interestingly, suggested a way to check whether it's positional plagiocephaly or not, um, which okay. I'd never heard of. And I'd be interested to know whether no. you've heard of it, Jen. And that is to measure the distance between the outer canthus of the baby's eye and the tragus of their ear on each side. So you're measuring from the corner of the eye to the wibbly bit in the ear. Yeah, um, no, I haven't. On both sides and comparing those measurements. It says that if those measurements differ, then you're confirming that it's positional plagiocephaly and you don't need to routinely refer as long as baby's developing normally. So if you've got a baby with plagiocephaly they're developing normally and those two measurements are different from each other then you're going to say i've confirmed that that's positional plagiocephaly and that's fine i don't need to refer it anywhere um which actually it would be a useful thing because you think actually if they've got positional plagiocephaly it's rarely exactly bilateral right sometimes one side or the other isn't it you know yeah um so you can see that that would make a difference to those two measurements. Yeah. I, I,
0: I mean, don't know. I'm, not, not I'm never curious, gone past Just it thinking. No, I'm, I'm always tempted when the kids get home from school to um, measure, measure them, their <laughs> distances, just, <laughs> just just for um, just for interest. fun. Just Because I mean, we know we're not symmetrical, are we? No, we're not. So we're everyone's not. always got one eye higher than the other, one ear higher than the other. Well, look, that's so, what it says, Jen. I'm just
1: relating the nice guys. Yeah, there. no, it's what it says. Oh, I mean, yeah, obviously, no. if you don't feel comfortable doing that, and it's not within the limits of your competence, then don't do it. Obviously, I'm not suggesting people just immediately go out with tape measures am, and I, measure tragus. But... I am
0: wondering how they get the tape measure close enough to the corner of a baby's oh, for God, it to yeah. be oh, accurate. No, that would be slightly <laughs> nerve-wracking, wouldn't it? Um,
1: they're saying if the measurements are the same, then you can suspect that there's been a premature closure or a unilateral premature closure of the lamboid suture and refer to paediatric services. So what we're talking about here... For anyone who doesn't know and hasn't seen a picture of this before, if the student health is desisting or whatever, um, the we're talking about the suture lines, the cranial suture lines and I'll link yeah. to you a really good um, image of these um, and it's got quite clearly there for you where the plates of the skull are um, and where those lines join up. Um, that's called the suture line and On babies, we have an anterior and a posterior fontanelle, don't we? Which is those squashy soft bits at the joining of those sutures. So on the top of the head, um, we know about that one where there's four plates joining together. And then there's another one just below the occipital bit at the back of the um, skull. Um, There's another little triangle fontanelle there as well. And if um, that triangle closes too early, that fontanelle closes too early and those sutures fuse too early, um, that can cause plagiocephaly um, and craniostenosis yeah. is the or
0: Yeah. So the lamboid suture, that's the one that runs sort of from ear to ear but across the back of the head, doesn't it? So it goes that's up it. over the occiput and yeah. back down.
1: Exactly, yes. That's the one that joins up the posterior fontanelle. So if that cho- that closes prematurely, that premature closure of the posterior fontanelle, that's yes. going to put excessive pressure. um, As the yeah. brain still continues to grow, which you know it does very right. quickly, um, that's going to put yeah. more pressure on the the. Pressure is going to build as a result of the yeah. CSF
0: in the brain. It took me so long to feel confident finding posterior Pontonels. Um, yeah, Pontanelles. Yeah, um, I was just going to say it's that thing. It's not where not easy there to were find so many them, is guys it? who as a student. My men, my practice teacher, be like, "Oh, yeah, no, they're both fine." And I'd find the anterior one fine, mm. but the posterior one. But it's like once you know your markers and you almost follow that lamboid suture up the top, uh, along from the ear to the middle to the top of the occiput. And you, you do feel it, but it's so tiny mm. compared to the anterior one. Often a lot it's more difficult. if have got thick hair, it's um, very tricky.
1: And perhaps that's why, actually, the nice guidance for this kind of lumpy, bumpy brains or lumpy, bumpy heads, um, that's not the title of the nice guidance, but that's what it's talking <laughs> about. Um, it's it doesn't mention checking the fontanelles at all. It doesn't mention Fontanelle's in that nice guidance, which I was very surprised by because I would obviously want to do that. But perhaps it is because you could easily be misled by feeling the anterior Fontanelle was open and normal and thinking it's fine. So it obviously has to be both because it is that back Fontanelle really is where you would see the difference. Um, And if you are worried about premature closure of sutures, um, it is a rare cause of plagiocephaly and it would or possibly may require surgical intervention so it is a really yes. important thing yeah. you don't this is again not something you want to miss if you're no. in any doubt or you're not sure about how to check or yeah. you don't feel competent refer to peds because For, they will yeah. never mind seeing a child that's fine no. and you're always better yeah. to have that conversation with the parents where you say Look, I'm going to refer because normally this is totally fine. This is most likely to be a positional plagiocephaly, which is not a concern. Um, yeah. However, I'm going to refer you because I'm not 100% confident of that anterior, of that posterior fontanelle um, or yeah. because, you know, it looks very even in terms of the positioning of it. And I just want to be 100% sure. I just want to check. No, so exactly. as a safety yeah. net, I'm just going to refer you into Pete, And no parent will mind you being extra cautious there.
0: No exactly so that's
1: exactly. what i would say about those um is
0: there anything that's else two, anything you want to add really that i've missed no no so i think it'd be good just to go you know the few key points that from what yes. that i'm taking from for what for saying uh that thing of the consistency yes so if you can be the key person to measure the head and get those consistent measurements that you can relate to because you know relate to refer to because yeah. you know you took them then do that um to use the paper tape rather than the yep. lassos because they you can't stretch them yeah you can't fix them and actually you can yeah with a pencil you can mark them can't you, you so can. it makes it almost easier to you're not having to hold them in place until you've got the numbers Yes, you can that's mark a really them good and then point look at what they what yeah. they are um, and yeah and just the, I think that final point is to yeah you know, if in doubt refer on yeah you know it's like don't be hesitant I think. Anyone would, mu- I think parents would much rather see someone and be reviewed and especially, yeah, you know, paedio- paediatric- paediatricians or GPs would much rather review than to have someone sit on the fence mm-hmm. and end up with it being a much bigger deal than they wanted it to be. Absolutely. And I think the,
1: also the thing with that is it's good to refer because you don't also know necessarily when this is gonna be redone. So you're either making an appointment, if you're unsure in any way, you're either gonna make an appointment to follow this up or you're gonna be referring because what you don't wanna do is just leave this sitting there until a catastrophic event occurs
0: for that child. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so I hope you found that useful. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, and we would love you to get in touch with us, then you can find us on social media. Our Instagram is at IamaHV, we've got the Facebook page, I am a Health Visitor, and we've got our email, iamahealthvisitor at gmail.com. Um, as I said, I hope that's been really useful and take care in the meantime. Bye. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye.